1: Welcome to episode number 281 of On the Corner, the official pitcherlist.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by Mr. Jetlag
2: himself,
1: Nick Pollock.
2: What is Nick? happening? Uh, I remember you doing that once on the podcast, and it lasted like 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah! Well, I was at First Pitch, Arizona, and it was so much fun. Uh, Miles took your place over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, He did a great job. Definitely check out the last podcast where we reviewed 2021 in all of its glory. Um, No, it was such a great time. Uh, So many wonderful people inside the industry, outside the industry, just putting a lot of names uh, or faces to names and uh, just talking baseball for five days. It's so much fun to just be in a room where everyone wants to talk baseball and I don't have to hide this obsession that I have. So we missed you fast. We're sorry that you couldn't make it. But uh, you'll be back soon, and we look forward to that.
1: It looked like a lot of fun. I definitely had a lot of FOMO, checking my old Twitter feed and seeing all the people hanging out and meeting and greeting and drinking. And it was (laughs) was a lot of fun. I'm sorry that
2: I couldn't be there. Did you get to go to any games at all? I I did. Yeah, a couple of them. Uh, And I actually sat in front of the parents of a player, which was really fun as well. Um, oh, there was that's uh, nice. there, yeah, it's it's one of the wonderful parts of first pitch Arizona. Uh, if you don't know, it's it's put up by Baseball HQ, Brent Hershey, Ron Chandler, Ray Murphy. They do such a good job with it. Uh, Ryan Bluefield, of course, as well, and many others. But uh, but yeah, part of as you go to these AFL games, I think it went to three or two. Um, it didn't help that the ALCS was going on and the NLCS. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I certainly wanted to keep tabs on that as well. But yeah, it's a, it's a great great part of this entire trip.
1: And it has been a great uh, ALCS and NLCS. I uh, yeah, those those back to back walk offs have been absolutely riveting. They're they're riveting to watch in that NLCS. (laughs) But that's what we're talking about today. We're not talking about the NLCS, the ALCS, as much as we can sit here and talk about the playoffs for you know until the cows come home. We're going to (laughs) talk about the remainder (laughs) of your top 150 starting pitchers list, which is a lie. You lie to the people right in the byline. It's actually 175. And this is a this is a fun one for the fans because uh these if you've ever read nick pollock stuff if you've ever seen his presentations at first pitch florida first pitch arizona you know that this is where the fun can be and you also know that in all likelihood one of these guys out of these 170 out of these 75 from 100 to 175 is probably going to be a top 30 guy you know what I yeah, mean? One of right. these guys is going to be, you know, you, you talk about every year. Look at all you, you even do it in this article. Look at all these guys that were drafted after pick 200, pick 300 that ended up being top 50 starting pitchers for you. And there's going to be guys in this list, which you don't know who they are quite yet, but there are going to be guys in this list that exceed our expectations, right?
2: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Last year, uh, Carlos Rodan and Robbie Ray, I think Trevor Rogers was the third. No, maybe it was Logan Webb. Uh, we're all in this grouping uh, between 115 and 120. And I I still look back on that fondly. I'm just like, right, that it was in a tier saying, hey, there's a chance. um, And you don't really know. And fortunately, they all hit there um, back to back to back. But yeah, there's going to be some really fun names inside of these 75. Some that might surprise you uh, that you've forgotten about completely. And I'm looking forward to diving into them with you today.
1: There are a lot of really good ones. So we're going to, you know, we're obviously not going to be able to go as in-depth because there's a lot of names here. We're going to go through all 75, but we're going to give you a good gist of what we're thinking. And, you know, these are, these are like I said, these are the fun ones. We're going to start. You already have tier names, so they're already there for us. Uh, so this is the you deserve to be on the list tier. Right. Yes. Uh, and this is. Bailey Ober, Carlos Hernandez in Kansas City, Mike Soroka at 103, Tony Gonsal and Wade Miley, Jacob Odorizzi, Daniel Lynch, Patrick Corbin, Michael Pineda, Nestor Cortez Jr., and Eric Lauer.
2: <laughs> you can't you stop doing at? it. Michael Pineda? Oh, no!
0: <laughs> Michael Pineda, stop.
2: yeah. Um, so so th- it's called this because essentially all of them can be inside the top 100, and I understand there are people that are going to be drafting them like that uh, already now. Um, going really quickly, I know me, haha. It's Bailey Oberizzi because he throws high fastballs. And that's really cool. Um, he also introduced a slider at times. I just don't really know how much playing time he is going to get. He wasn't a stable 5-6 inning pitcher this year for the Twins. And it was a lot of fours in there. So I don't really know what to expect of Bailey Oberizzi. But there is that promise. Carlos Hernandez throws hard and has two secondary pitches that could get whiffs. So that could be kind of cool. Um, and don't forget Mike Soroka, right? Like he's injured. They don't know what's going on with him, but he yeah. could be starting in April. And that's a really good pitcher if he does.
1: So let's go, you know, there, there's a tier above, I mean, that has injured pitchers that have upside. Obviously Mike Soroka wouldn't be in the 40s with Clevenger, Verlander, Garden, and Severino as they all have more upside. But you, you've made room for injury question marks with high upside, and now here we are at 103.
2: You don't feel Soroka has that same kind of upside to him? Yeah, I think there's more of a haze about his status uh, for April. Um, if you notice, for example, like, uh, there's Zach Eflin involved too. I uh, he was I think at the end it was around like ninety or so um, of the main list. I I think it's clearer how Eflin is going to pitch maybe in in May or something like that. Soroka could be out for a very long time. Not to mention he has the dreaded injury tag uh, over him as well. There's no guarantee that Soroka now is going to return and be dominant. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of concern about any innings that he might get potential um shortening of it or just overall effectiveness. So uh that that's kind of why I have him this low. But I mean I took him the end of my mock draft uh and uh my pitch list staff mock draft which we finished over the weekend and we'll be going over all of those very shortly. So expect those over the next two months, including my own. But uh yeah I think there's a lot of potential there and Mike Soroka could easily be way higher up this list come March and when we know more about it. So let's move on then to Wade
1: Miley, who's another guy that I think a lot of people might be shocked that he is so low. I mean, in out of the in his last two seasons of 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 actual seasons, right? So ignoring 2020 and that 14.1 inning sample size, mid to high three ERA, uh, not a great whip. Uh, an okay K rate, but that ERA, isn't that enough to theoretically positively contribute to your team? Or is it that he's turning 35, he's getting a little bit older, and you don't really trust that he could repeat uh, or give you that many innings over the course of a full
2: season? Right. So it, it's, it's close to a Toby, of course. I mean, with an 18% strikeout rate, a one-three-three whip. Uh whip. Obviously, the ERA is what made Wade Miley this very, uh, I don't know, very delicious starter. I don't know what word okay. I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go, sure. We'll go delicious. All right. Okay. But it was for the first five months, really the first four months, and actually came out. Um, Recently, I saw in Jeff Simmons' incredible Mindy the News that uh, Wade Miley had a hurt neck, um, and he pitched through it, essentially, through those final two months or so. And that would explain, of course, the the dreadful A-plus E-array he had that time um, that brought down from a sub-3 E-array to the three three two that Wade Miley had. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's just, hey, get him for, you know, I think the narrative's going to be just as bad as September. He's always been bad in September, so that's it. I don't know. It's It could be something that you want right out of the gate with Way Miley. He should be on the list. That's why he's there. I think it's going to depend on the schedule early. That's going to be my strategy. I haven't done my work yet uh, de- deciphering what the early schedules are, not to mention rotation order is so stupid to predict right now. Even the most sure. solidified rotations could A, have an injury, or B, have a free agent signing, or C, a trade before then. And there's just so much time for that to get messed up that I decided not to really dive into it yet. But that will be a situation. If Wade Miley is pitching into the Pirates and uh, uh, still weak Cubs early on constantly, then all right, you know what? I'll add Wade Miley to my uh, the final rounds of my draft just to start him for those early games.
1: Yeah, I'll be curious to see if he is retained or if he becomes a free agent because I was looking at his contract information. He is, he just, they have a club option. The Reds have a club option. Uh, And it would be for 10 million. So it would be for, you know, it was a two year, 15 million dollar deal, eight up front. And then like a bunch of, you know, uh, other weird things in the back end. But I don't know if they're going to want to retain that
2: for 10 million, a 35 year old. What is that? About one war or so these days, right? Yeah, about. Yeah, I think I think since he's got to do that now, maybe. I mean,
1: it depends on what they want to do with their depth, right? I mean, they could finally convert Michael Lorenzen into a starter, what they had to give up on over the middle of the season.
2: Yeah, oh, I uh, totally forgot about him. Then there's Sand Martin, of course, as well. Who came up had two good starts against the Pirates. Uh, TJ Antone. We don't know if they'll convert him. Well, he, uh, he did a Tommy John. Hunter Hunter Green is coming back. Yes, uh, but it's yeah or not coming back. Coming out possibly. Uh, he throws super yeah. hard. So yeah, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it is very interesting to keep track of what's going
1: on there. Just the hot stove in general is going to be really interesting. Um, so we also have, you know, Jake Orizi. I feel like, you know, we, we've talked about him kind of repeatedly. Daniel Lynch. I got to say, you were you were hot to trot on him for a, a lot of the second half. And then here he is at 107. I thought maybe he would be your pitcher 100 or he'd be able to crack that top 90.
2: So is it you're not really impressed with the skill set now? or? Well, I mean, he should be on the list, right? He's in this tier. Everyone should be. I think he initially was, and then I saw too many names that needed to go in, like Christian Javier needed to go in. Uh, well, I wanted Kyle Muller at 100 just because I think there is a rotation spot, and he has a little bit deeper of a repertoire uh, to make that work. But I don't want people to forget about Daniel Lynch. I know I was very in on him, and it didn't pan out. Uh, I think more time Daniel Lynch becomes a, a stable starter. There, There is something I think that we've talked about on this podcast before. Um, where certain organizations lend themselves to better or worse development. I mean, obviously, it's the Orioles is the only one that matters there. But uh, no, the, the, the Royals had a lot of very interesting starters this year, and none of them really hit. Um, Jackson Corwar comes to mind. There's, Just copy and paste uh, that sentence and put it in the past three years. Yeah, right. There you go. Um, well, I mean, there's been more intrigue, I guess, uh, with the guys this year, right? Uh, you also had uh, Brady Singer. Brady Singer wasn't quite as stable as we wanted to. Carlos Hernandez, of course, had his moments, but still also blew up at times. Uh, not really the most exciting thing ever, and I can't help but wonder, you know, if I'm drafting, do I feel like I need to get Daniel Lynch out of the gate? Probably not. So I I, I had him down here, at 107. Yeah.
1: Um. So of these... Actually, last person I want to talk about is is Eric Lauer, who really mm. kind of ended that year uh, incredibly hot for Milwaukee. He he rounds out the end of this list. He ends up going 118 and two thirds over the course of the year. Not all of those starts. He had four relief appearances as well, but that's not enough relief appearances, in my opinion, to skew from the fact that he had a 3.19 ERA, low four FIP, a 1.14 WHIP, with a 24 percent strikeout rate we've seen what milwaukee can do with pitchers is it just we don't know if he's actually
2: in the rotation well it's i don't know how much i can buy the gains uh that lauer had this year uh the cutter was uh, you know 168 batting average allowed pitch this year and as he increased its usage to 26 to 27 percent, i don't know if i buy that yet i know he got a little bit extra movement on it but the swing strike rate on the pitch was just 12 percent CSW at 24 for the season. Uh, I don't really know if that's all of a sudden a major uh, difference for him. It, it did go up in velocity to about 89 miles per hour from 87 in the past, 88 in the past. It's just a question of how much do I really buy this where I don't think he's a 25% strikeout guy ultimately. I don't think he's a 111 whip guy or a 3 ERA guy either um, with that fastball and cutter. So Eric Lauer to me isn't someone that I need to jump out of my seat and go get. The question is how much is of of uh, Lowry is a Toby, and you know, yeah, I think Aaron Ashby has a spot in that rotation. So that essentially means there are four guys taken. Hmm. Um, Lowry should be the fifth. Uh, it may even be reversed where Lowry's the fourth and, and Ashby's the fifth. There, uh, he has more, you know, he should have more job security than Ashby. But yeah, I, I it's just not someone that I feel in a twelve teamer is a necessity for you in deeper leagues. Eric Lowry can be really. A really nice get, though. Uh, not much fanfare. You know, he doesn't have the same yep. overall appeal as someone else. You know, I totally get it for 15 teamers. Uh, for this, uh, you know, I might find myself pushing him a little bit higher up come February, but uh, just not enough to really get me excited. Yeah, I mean,
1: I guess theoretically, looking at their rotation next year, there might still be room
2: for both teams ashby and him right there's yeah, yeah lauer i mean no lauer would be i think five lauer will be the four and ashby is the five considering you know the age difference yeah and i wonder too if lauer's the guy that like they just
1: give a little bit more uh if they give ashby kind of the peralta treatment where they let him you know they don't want him going right. every couple of days they want to rest him a little bit but then again eric lauer younger than i thought too i feel like i've been saying his name for a few years he's only 26 right yeah, that's crazy. He's a
2: year older than Aaron Ashby, Ha! Huh. well, I think I mean, of those course. dudes totally differently yeah absolutely i I mean obviously i'm I'm saying it more as uh, just uh, career depth, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, uh but that still blows my mind um a question I
1: want to ask for each tier I brought this up at the beginning of uh, the podcast a name from this
2: tier it would least surprise you if they were top forty name though hmm. I mean, okay, you could say Mike Soroka probably. Uh, yeah, I think this it has one. to be. Um, otherwise, a more exciting uh, a name. I mean, it's not going to be Nasser Cortez Jr. It's not going to be Pineda. It's, uh, it's not going to be Oda Rizzi. Not going to be Miley. Tony Gonsolin, if he finds more, you know, slider back and uh, you know, gets that playing time consistently. I don't think Carlos Hernandez is really just going to click all of a sudden, but maybe yeah. um, Patrick Corbin. But the spin rates of a slider are still down, and that's a problem. He was saying that he felt better by the end, but that's what a lot of pitchers say, and we gotta take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, insert that Jennifer Lawrence meme. Sure. (laughs) Uh, I love
1: that. It's such a good uh, gift. Yeah. Oh, it is a gift on me. Excuse me. Um, All right. Let's move on to uh, the next year. If the schedule is great. 112 through 123. We're looking at Dakota Hudson, Eli Morgan, Nick Pavetta, Tyler Anderson, Tyler Tyler McGill, JT Brubaker, (laughs) uh, Miles Michaelis, Alex Cobb, Ryan Yarbrough, Cole Irvin, Rich Hill and Taylor Hearn. Dakota Hudson just kind of came back there from the dead at the end of the season. He had, you know, one appearance uh, at, uh, at the end of, I think it was August and then, no, at September, and then yeah. the last day of the year, I believe, last day of the season, he started where he went five innings pitched with no earned runs, one walk, and four strikeouts. Uh, yeah, so you're just—I feel like you never really loved him. You never really no. loved Dakota Hudson, uh, but he has his
2: career high ERA is three point three five. <laughs> Look, this is the schedule. Sorry, this is the team of. Sorry, the tier. I can get this. Third time's the charm where I will be looking at schedules early on. And if these guys match up against middling or poorer offenses consistently in April, I will be looking to them as possible guys to turn to if I don't feel there are others to chase properly. Um, So I just want to be out of the draft and say, you know what? I'm going to start Nick Pavetta against your Orioles. Like, okay, I feel all right about that. Uh, Eli Morgan is... Shouldn't really be here, but I felt he deserved to be this high because he's a cherry bomb where the opponent doesn't matter as much um, as the others, where it's just about his fastball command. But yeah, Dakota Hudson. I mean, he should be the four starter for the Cardinals. Uh, It's it's Wainwright for another year. Flaherty, Mm -hmm. Michaelis and Hudson with that fifth spot could be the Amish Mustang and Jake Woodford, or it could be a, a free agent. Maybe Jordan Hicks or Alex Reyes. I don't know. Uh, but Hudson seems like he has a solid spot in that rotation. And yeah, that could be a good Toby for the first couple of weeks.
1: What was the year we got super excited about Nick Pavetta? Was
2: that uh, after that was, the 2018 season? Yes, entering 2019. So here
1: is Nick Pavetta at 114. He ends the year with pretty much the same strikeout rate as 2018 a little bit less of a swing strike rate, the exact same whip and a better ERA. But now there's no buy-in to maybe him being a 80s or higher. Starter. Well, the hope
2: then was there was improvement coming, mm-hmm. that there was more development. And if Pavetta's shown us anything, it's that <laughs> that's not happening. Um, maybe over time, but it, it's he's such a volatile guy when it comes to his command that even if he has a great April, I'm still going to be skeptical for May, June, July, etc. So I, I, something to be thinking about when you draft your teams is if a guy showcases improvement or a good April, really think is this, you know, am I going to buy in after that too? You know, even with success early on, does that mean that I have now changed my tone on this guy? What would it take for me to really change it? And I don't, you know, it's, it's command when it comes down to Bevan. and that's Pavetta. And that's a really hard thing for me to buy into.
1: Yeah. That uh, doesn't surprise me. Um, another name that a lot of people are probably going to be interested in because of some of the success that he had, especially early on when he was getting a lot of the rookie of the year consideration, I believe is, is Cole Irvin. So talk to me about, I mean, obviously a 4.24 ERA and a 1.33 whip with a 16.3% K rate. Not a lot to love there, but, uh, <laughs> They, the, the the athletics were able to take uh uh chris bassett and take some positive steps forward with him do you just think there's not enough there in that repertoire for no
2: yeah Irvin he, he, was a a Toby. he was he was the Holly right the best the best uh Toby for a long time mm-hmm. and then the second half just was brutal for Cole Irvin. um I I really don't think you should be chasing this guy uh it's just I don't really see where he improved. I mean, I guess everything <laughs> is where he could improve. I don't I don't see what uh, what that is. You know, the the changeup has its moments, thirty-nine percent O swing and a forty-two percent zone rate, but only twelve percent whiffs on it. Two fifty-one batting average allowed is pretty pedestrian on it. Two fifty-four and a slider. Um again, pretty, you know, mediocre. Two eighty-four and is on his fastball. Nothing is nothing's fun nothing's exciting nothing's showcasing oh hey if i really lean into this or if i continue to improve in that there is you know there's more to to do and you're gonna find a guy like cole irvin's first half easily on the waiver wire there's no reason for you to chase it in drafts yeah that's a great point uh the last guy
1: on in this tier that i wanted to talk about was taylor hearn who you know who's got an interesting mix of the two fastballs and a slider and a changeup That slider. Wasn't really great for him over the course of the year, but the, the sinker, the sinker was obviously got a good amount of velocity,
2: not great missing bats. Do you think there's another step forward for him? I don't really think so, but I would do recognize that he was able to um, go six plus innings um, at times. He had this really nice three game stretch against the Astros, angels, and athletics where he essentially went six or seven innings in, in each of those three starts. And that, to me, just showcases, all right, you have the ability, Taylor Hearn, to be a, a Toby. And if you have good matchups out of the gate, the Rangers will use you as a starter. Um, he didn't get much time in that starting rotation, probably stretched out, by the way. The, uh, the first time he really got over 85 pitches was uh, August 24th. So Taylor Hearn has only really been starting for seven games. And three of those were the six point two innings, seven innings, and six I just mentioned. So the potential is there for there's for something if he gets, you know, weak opponents. It's just a matter of, all right, uh can you do you have a good schedule or not out of the gate? That's the only reason why yeah. I would consider him. Hence the name of the tier. So with that
1: said, <laughs> let's wrap on out with that tier and move on to your young and have potential. 124 to 133. Look at a Tyler P. Uh, Beatty, Luis Heel, Austin Gomber, Joanne Adon. What did I just say? Joanne. Joanne. Oh my God. Joanne. Joanne. Joanne Adon oh my god joanne uh edward cabrera <laughs> debbie garcia dylan bundy joe ross justin dunn and reed detmers oh my god is that
2: is that newspaper joanne
1: <laughs> very good young nick
0: very uh, good i'll tell I you think, why i got
1: confused yeah but sorry go on Please. was tyler beady the pitcher from san francisco that we yes. were really on last then year he, then he
2: got he got exactly but he came back this year. I thought, didn't he? Very briefly, or there was talks of him. I, uh, yeah, he came back for one inning. Twenty-seven 10, ERA, uh, Nick. Why is he on this list? Because he had, it was one game of three hundred runs. Twenty-seven ERA. Uh, Tyler Beattie, uh is going to contend for the rotation next year. Mm-hmm. And if you remember Tyler Beatty, we got really really excited because he had a really nice slider and increased velocity. Uh, he was placed in the IL uh, with a back injury um, in, in July, or actually rather in August uh, uh, as he tried to to fully return this year. Uh, it's a case of we've forgotten about him completely, but he could be turning heads a lot come February uh, in March uh, through spring training. and if he's looking proper, if he's you know throwing ninety five with his heater and he has his breaker that's missing a lot of bats again, that had a 33% CSW in 2019. There's there's stuff to like here with Tyler Beattie, and I just didn't want y'all to forget about him. Man, he
1: he he had a a pretty brutal uh minor league stint in twenty twenty one, though, which is interesting.
2: This is a man come from from Tommy John and had a back injury.
1: Yeah, but I'm never going to draft a guy who has a six 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 ERA over forty eight <laughs> and two thirds. That's just got to be some indication. I didn't, I didn't take you for a religious man, fast. Oh, yeah, only when it comes to baseball statistics. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I look to find religious numbers and iconography in the sport <laughs> of baseball. Uh, we got to see a pretty good uh, or an exciting sample of Luis Heel. Uh, Over the course of the season, there were a lot of people who wanted him to get a few more starts. He ended up making only six starts with a 3.07 ERA, a 30 percent K rate pretty much and a 13.2 percent swinging strike rate. Is this just uh, let me let me phrase it this way. If uh, the Yankees come out of camp and they say Luis Heel is our number five. um, How do you feel about him?
2: I feel good, still not great, um, just because we haven't seen Luis Heal get pushed too often. Uh, he had trouble with efficiency a lot. He did have that one start of six innings against the Twins, despite being five and runs. That was early in the game, and then he really made it worthwhile after that. Eight strikeouts in that one, just one walk. But he had a seven-walk game against the Jays. Four walks against Cleveland, four walks against Boston. I don't think that's going to go away being a two-pitch guy, a uh, fastball slider. Um, I think he is someone that really would benefit from a better strike-getting uh, secondary pitch. Um, 61% strike rate on a slider is good. It's just not so good that it you know that it saves him, essentially. And the changeup, it should just not be mentioned. 45% strike rate on that is not what he wants it to be at just 7% usage. So Luis Gil obviously has that potential. Throws 96 with a whiffable slider. Uh, but there's a lot of development left. And I think some other young guns that I've mentioned are a little bit more polished, have a little bit more refined approach and repertoire that uh, with heel. I think also the Yankees. I mean, I'd be shocked if that were the case, if he was a number five. They're a yeah. team that doesn't just say, oh, yeah, our pitching staff is fine and we're done. They always add something, some element of depth, some, some name in the offseason to help. And they don't want to rely on a rookie pitcher. Uh, out of the gate, that's just not how they roll. So I, I'd be surprised if that were the case, and it means that you don't need a draft we seal heal your twelve teamers.
1: Yeah, uh, I forgot to ask too in that last tier. I'm not going to say who could theoretically be top thirty. I'm going to move it down ten for each tier. So who could you see breaking the top forty in the if the schedule is great tier?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think Miles Michaelis is the best one if he returns to his former self. Remember when he was you know a really good ratio guy. Uh, and I do like his slider a decent amount. I remember there were times that I expected a regression on the ratios a little bit, but it could be evened out if his slider improved and became more of a strikeout pitch. I mean, there were times he was throwing 95 with a really whiffable slider. So uh, I would say that is the most potential. I don't want to say Alex Cobb. I don't want to say the fratty pirates. Yeah. Rich Hill. Ugh. Maybe Tyler McGill if his changeup does come back. But that's about it. Okay,
1: uh, let's return back to that other tier. I Just wanted to make sure we got that. And um, let, let's talk about Edward Cabrera. You know, there's no such thing as whelming. There's only overwhelming or underwhelming. There is no pure whelming. But I guess he, he could whelmed. Say that, yeah, he whelmed. But I, I don't even know if he did whelm. Right? He underwhelmed. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't whelm at all. You know, a whelm is like a you know a mid low four sort of ERA with like a you know a uh, twenty. 25% K rate, whatever he he had a mid high five ERA at the end of the year with a 1.63 whip. How are you? And also he's in, you know, if I if I said it for Hazel Cesardo, I'll say it for Edward Cabrera. They are flush with pitchers. So if
2: he doesn't figure it out, he's back in the minors for a while or he's in relief, or who knows? I would honestly expect Edward Cabrera to be in the minors with 6 taking his spot. Uh, because, yeah, Edward has more things to figure out. Um, he throws hard, 96-97, but his secondary stuff just did not do what it was supposed to do. The changeup, 24% CSW, uh, curveball at 29%, but only a 14% swing strike rate slider. Had hints of this, 21% swing strike rate, 143 batting average allowed, but he didn't get enough strikes with it 57-58%. Um, he needs that more to be in the 60% plus range for him to really make an impact with it, especially only threw it 17% of the time. Not to mention his fastballs combined didn't really impress a whole lot. I uh, only threw in 39% of the time, but got sub 60 strikes, and 15% O swing ain't going to cut it on a four seamer. So a 7.5% swing strike rate, ugh. And for a guy that throws 96, 97, that just isn't right. So no. there are things to tweak with Edward Cabrera. I think he's certainly a four-seamer, should be a four-seamer first guy. He doesn't have the sinker of, say, um, his contemporaries in uh, Sandy Alcatara. Um, and I, even Pablo Lopez said, you know why I'm going to throw more four-seamers before he was shut down for the year. So, yeah. so we'll see what happens with Edward, but I don't think that he's going to be out of the gate with the Marlins.
1: The next thing I want to talk about in this tier is a guy who, you know, very much (laughs) captured kind of lightning in a bottle at the beginning of the season as he ended the first half with a 4.02 ERA over 87 in a third innings pitched. He had a really hot stretch for for (laughs) quite some time. He had a game against the Dodgers where he went six and two-thirds with three earned runs, no walks, and 11 Ks, and that's Joe Ross. Do you think he just kind of captured lightning in a bottle for the 2021 season and
2: he's not going to be able to repeat it? Yeah, I don't know what the what holds uh, or what the what the future holds for Joe Ross. I uh, just because I believe there's a question if he's if he's too hurt for next year or not. I uh, It's unclear what the status is at the moment. Um, but there I mean, he was he was doing incredible things. He had a 31 percent CSW on his fastball and his slider this year. And I was incredibly impressed at an 11 strikeout game against the Dodgers in a revenge matchup, uh, which was really cool to see. Nine whiffs on his fastball on that one. It's just, what? 42% CSW? He had multiple uh, King Coles this year um, and had, a, including a golden goal. That means he also had the most whiffs. And a given night. King Cole being the most or the highest CSW of an evening, uh, there is some hope there for Joe Ross. It's just we don't really know if he's going to be in a rotation or if he's going to be on the IL out of the gate
1: yeah that's a great point uh and the last person i want to hit on in this tier is reed detmer is obviously got a guy who has a lot of that prospect shine he got a little bit of a call up uh with over 20 and two-thirds inning in 2021 but it didn't really quite go his way you know ending the year with that 7.40 era but again this is a 22 year old kid who got under 22 innings this year so you, you just still you know you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here you're looking more into what he did at double a and maybe just needs a little bit more refinement
2: oh yeah he was a highly touted prospect he's 22 years old um and i did see moments where he had this beautiful curveball that he landed in for a strike and it was really nice and he has a slider that had a 71 strike percentage this year 19 swing strike. okay this isn't so bad a 93 mile per hour fastball that got clobbered uh, and and that's really it. This is someone who just you know they tried to get his feet wet a little bit. He had one outing against the Astros where he looked really really sharp. The curveball got a ton of free real estate with ten called strikes in that game on thirty two thrown. That is the ticket I think to his success. It's just a question of is that going to be consistent for him? And if he can do that, then you get sliders for whiffs, and then you get your fastball hopefully not getting crushed and. Yeah, he can turn into a little bit of a Cleveland-style pitcher with two really good secondaries or two breakers and that four-seamer, but it's just going to take more time with Reed Detmers. And given the state of the Angels' rotation, or at least the the curse of them, we'll probably see Detmers get some significant innings next year. Uh, They'll need the help eventually, if not out of the gate, so... Redemmers is certainly someone to keep an eye on. I think the main focus is that curveball. If you can throw it for strikes constantly, that will help everything uh, come into place. But I just don't know what we're going to see. And someone from this list who could crack the top 50? I mean, yeah. As I mentioned before, Dylan Bundy was a fun one. I... I mean, yeah, Louis Seal gets that spot and uh, and cruises, you know, really defies me. It says, no, fastball slider can work for me, and I've I've, uh, I've limited those walks a little bit. Yeah, I think Louis Seal certainly has the stuff to do it. Um, Ioana Don had this one start for the Nationals, and he, yeah, he was throwing hard with good secondaries. It's kind of weird, and he might get an opportunity out of the gate for the Nationals, considering no one's going to pitch for them. So that's someone also to keep an eye out on. And lastly, yeah, Justin Dunn. Two secondaries, good fastball. He actually increases fastball velocity at one point before getting shut down with injury. Uh, Maybe that can come together in Seattle. All right. So we've got two tiers left. But before we do, we're going to take
1: a quick little break and go on over to a word from our sponsor. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're gonna get your first month free with promo code
2: all right, fast. We might go a little bit long on this podcast, so let's get straight to the largest tier that we're going to talk about.
1: It feels like I'm, I'm, I'm So I'm going to read them all off, and it feels like the <laughs> Animaniacs, the Animaniacs, like, uh, state song. You know what I mean? They go through all the different states. <laughs> Here we go. 134 to you got this. 168. Uh, Matthew Boyd, Danny Duffy, San Martin, Mike Miner, Matt Manning, Jose Suarez, Spencer Howard, Adrian Hauser, Merrill Kelly, Glenn Otto, Madison Bumgarner, Tuki Toussaint, Chris Bubich, Kwanghyun Kim, Kyle Freeland, Jackson Coward, Dallas Keuchel, Reynaldo Lopez, Alex Reyes, Jordan Lyles, Domingo Herman, Zach Davies, Zach Thompson, Andrew Heaney, Martin Perez, Tyler Alexander, Johnny Cueto, Jay Happ, John Lester, Alec Mills, Michael Walker, Chad Cool, Dane Dunning, Brad Keller, and Luke Weaver.
2: You had a melody to it. You know, it went a, a little sing song. Yeah, Yeah. a little sneeze song in the cadence at the end there. You did good. You did good.
1: Thanks. (laughs) Um, So we already know. uh, So obviously, you know, there's a lot of. You know, you already named the tier you'll start and stuff. And I bring that up because there's a lot of different reasons why these guys are here. Some guys, maybe they could be returning from injury and we've seen upside from them before, but we don't know if it's going to be sustainable. Some people might get innings. Some people might not get innings. Um, Like Matthew Boyd is a great person that we just don't know if that injury is going to sustain. We saw him all of a sudden. What a bizarre relationship we've had with this man over the past couple of years <laughs> oh my god the strikeouts are fantastic he's really going to take a step forward oh he got hit really hard he took actually a big step backward oh but he was injured oh he's back he's got a great era it's unreal but now he's getting three strikeouts a game oh he gets injured it's like
2: crazy it's all over the place it, it, it's it's wild i remember this from april is that i i still stand by this until i see matthew boyd having an amazing slider again i'm not going to be in and even during that early stretch, it was changeup based and it wasn't slider based. And uh, it did fall apart a bit. And of course, the injury took him out. And we don't know what we're going to see. Yeah, we don't. Um,
1: Reaver San Martin, he comes in at the end of the year. He gets two starts for the Reds, both against Pittsburgh. But in those two starts, 11 and two thirds, he gives up just two earned runs total, 11 Ks with two walks. Another guy where maybe there is a spot for him, maybe there isn't a spot for him. If they reside if they retain Wade Miley, Reaver San Martin is not really gonna get that start. But did you
2: see enough that of interest there that if he did get the five, he would be interested? You know, it's kind of interesting. Uh the the first one, he did it with changeups. Uh eight whiffs on thirty thrown. And the second one he did more with balls in play um, and less of the change. He only had a 20% CSW, uh, throwing just 15 the second time instead of 30. Uh, Whereas more sliders doing their thing instead. But San Martin, yeah, heavy ground balls is what you should expect, which is kind of great when you play in a grand uh, American small park, as Casey Bubba calls it, uh, which I think <laughs> is a wonderful name. Um, and, yeah, ground balls means there's less opportunity to get out of the yard, right? So that could work. I don't think he's uh, incredibly special. He throws under 90, but it is sidewinding, and it could be a little bit deceptive. I I would be cautious if he's the number five star. I think a lot of people say, oh, no, we liked what we saw at the end of the year, and I remember he won me my fantasy league and so on. Just be careful here. Um, Typically, guys that have low low velocity fastball set themselves up for um, a smaller margin of error. And especially for a young guy, he's just going to be, you know, twenty-six next year. Uh, I would be careful to trust that all of a sudden he has enough command to sustain better teams than Pittsburgh.
1: Let's move on then to Matt Manning, another guy who, you know, got a got a, a good shot this year. He was able to pick up a, a pretty solid amount of innings, 85 and a third, but a, a kind of an improvement in the second half, but an improvement from not a lot. So, you know what I mean? Like the, the bar was already pretty low there. There wasn't a seat <laughs> this is brutal. <clears throat> Excuse me. His highest swinging strike
2: rate pitch was his slider at 10.2%. That yeah, not is great. scary. Yeah, the uh, I remember when we were first talking about Matt Manning because I have people in my ear. say, Hey, Nick, this is the prospect guy. You gotta know, okay? You gotta watch this one. Look at this guy, and a member of the three tigers. I was intrigued most about Matt Manning at first because it's a very good and simple uh, wind up towards home, and it was supposed to be the curveball that the big impressive pitch, and that had a seven percent swing strike rate across only twelve percent thrown this year and I just don't see the path at the moment for Manny if it's really going to come it's going to be showcasing 95 96 mile per hour fastballs uh, which we did see a bit by the end in his 5 inning start it was 94-95 as opposed to 93-94 we saw all season Um, so it was about a tick higher than normal uh, in that final start against the White Sox where he did well zero earned runs in 5 innings and 7 strikeouts the problem was that the rest of the stuff wasn't very good. Uh, and I'm not going to bank on 95, 96 showing up constantly for Matt Manning. And the secondary stuff needs improvement now. It could improve. That, that He's still very young, and prospect growth is not linear. Yeah. He's going to be only 24 next year. So there's a lot of time for something to click with Matt Manning. Don't, don't forget that. And he sure, certainly has proved the ability... To go deeper into games, uh, not to say that he always does, but he does have games of six innings, which nowadays, like, oh, hey, that's pretty cool for a younger guy. So hopefully we see something in that secondary, arse, you know, and that arsenal that really steps forward next year. Hopefully we see the velocity be 94-95 instead of 93-94 on the fastball. But Matt Manning, to me, is just not someone I would be betting on entering 2022.
1: Um, uh, real quick, Jose Suarez, you know, had a nice stretch, had that complete game shut out against the Rangers, backed it up with a good game against the Astros, but seemed a little bit inconsistent. His uh, overall numbers, uh, you know, that 3.75 ERA are a little bit misleading because, uh, I think that's taking into account the many relief appearances he made. Uh, he actually had a 4.44 ERA with a 4.28 FIP and a sub 20% strikeout rate. Just even with that, uh, you know, nine innings pitch, no walk, 8K game against the Rangers.
2: So what are you thinking here with Jose Suarez? So he has a change of curveball that actually do really well. Uh, the curveball has a 26% called strike rate across 24% usage, which is really cool. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you, you love to see that um, high zone rate of 50% as well. And yeah, 254 batting average allowed isn't great. And that's because of the high zone rate on it but a high ground ball rate, 55% low fly ball. So I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that pitch. Changeup, meanwhile, has a 21% swing strike rate. So you pair those two together and you have a pair of secondary pitches that can work really, really well. The question is how effective is fastball going to be? 285 batting average allowed across all of his heaters. Not a great pitch. Uh, I, I do have my worries there. Um, but when you see Bon Suarez, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, You have Uh, seven strikeout games, eight strikeout games, uh, a nine inning complete game, one earned run game against the Rangers. Uh, And he will be in that rotation. The Angels did say that that they want to go six man with both Patrick Sandoval, the Irish Panda and Jose Suarez uh, next year. So there could be some value in Suarez. I just wonder, you know, is he going to be that pure Cleveland arm of two excellent secondaries and a mediocre fastball? Or if he's just not going to quite put it together. Um, Speaking of
1: mining the news, uh, Spencer Howard, uh, according to the Mining the News released by Jeff Zimmerman uh, uh, about five days ago, said that he's going to revert back to his old uh, delivery that he had in the minors. He's going to work this offseason to make it more closely resemble what he was doing in the minors. He, with the Phillies, he, quote, uh, got into the habit of jumping toward the plate and losing power and command. it, It was just a weird season for him, too, as the Phillies never really let him go deep into games, and then he goes to Texas, and he doesn't even get into the fifth inning for any single start. There were even appearances where he was doing quite well, and they just didn't really want to let the you know let the lead off um so i guess this is another guy that you might want to be watching in spring training to see okay maybe this commands back and he can get back to what we thought he was going
2: to be i mean i hope so uh we haven't seen spencer howard go more than four innings Mm -hmm. uh, i think since 2020 um he certainly didn't go five innings once in 2021 uh i need to check that one if he ever did it in 2020 in his debut season but yeah spencer howard was someone i was I I was excited to see a good fastball changeup mix with hopefully a good slider. And I haven't seen anything. Uh, it's been a lot of fastballs, a lot of very ineffective ones around 94 miles per hour. Uh, there needs to be a giant change here. I could be going back to that, uh, the, that different windup from before, but I just haven't seen a path forward at the moment with Spencer Howard. I'm not going to rule out that there isn't though. I, I recognize these things where this was a highly touted prospect and uh, he's going to turn 26 in the middle of next year. There's a lot of time that the Rangers are certainly investing in him to improve. So when we see six innings of Howard next year, I wonder what we'll get. Uh, yeah. I was just reading one of those bylines that was like Philly hopes that
1: he turns into what they wanted dick pavetta to be and it just reminds you of oh no how difficult it is to uh, ha, you know establish pitching success to bring a pitcher along your minor league team uh, i i want to jump now to you know we're talking a lot about the younger guys with with some promise i want to talk about an older guy uh in in madison bumgarner who's still here at uh number 144 wasn't I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. You know, 467 ERA obviously isn't fantastic. A 118 whip is really not that bad uh, at the end of the day. So what are you thinking for Madison Bumgarner, who's going into his age 33 season? Well, if you're we're older than
2: Madison Bumgarner, what? No. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why did you have to say that? Why? I thought
1: he was 80. <laughs> We're older than Madison Bumgarner?
2: Oh, no. This is, oh, this is man. My day has been ruined. Uh, my disappointment is it's immeasurable. <laughs> um, but, I okay, Madison Bumgarner, essentially the story for me is just track where his fastball is. If he's throwing 91-plus on it, uh, he's actually really good. Uh Before the injury, he was doing that, say, May 11th. Uh, he had his fastball, 92, 93, actually, 92.6 miles per hour. Earned himself at King Cole on that day with a 42% CSW. Had this great start against the Miami Marlins. Was surviving a decent amount. And then, yeah, all of a sudden he got hurt. Wasn't quite the same when he came back. Had some success, but the heater was around 90 or below. Uh, was able to stave off uh, the, the, the earned runs for a little bit, but then it fell apart as the velocity got to him I wouldn't chase Madison Bumgarner unless I'm seeing that velocity again and I know that the, the whip was ultimately good which is nice but I think that was a guy throwing in the zone and getting a bit lucky um, a good amount against the Giants and the Padres and Phillies and that nice little stretch in uh, in early August but I wouldn't I wouldn't believe that he's going to be in that higher velocity next year so I'm pretty much avoiding Uh I
1: was really fighting back his knees there and then you ruined it for me Um, you know, just like we're at that point where I'm just looking at that list and I do my best to be like, okay, this is a fun, interesting guy to talk about. This is a fun, interesting guy to talk about. to the point of what? Yeah, it's starting to slow a little bit. I guess (laughs) you should talk a little bit about Jackson Cower and and some of the promise that was there that you saw on the sparkle.
2: I mean, he throws 94, sorry, 95, 96, uh, with a slider at times earned a ton of whiffs, uh, it's kind of crazy how his last five starts were six earned runs, five earned runs, five earned runs, five earned runs, five earned runs. Five earned runs. Oh my the god. Ten six eight ERA over oh in f- six for the year. It's, um <laughs> but there was that one start that he did decently well. No, I I, I think there is some promise at times. So one of them was the at Baltimore outing, uh seven strikeouts in six innings. Where he had 14 whiffs combined between his changeup and his slider. And to me, that is, the, that is what you're chasing of, hey, there is an ability here of Jackson Cotter to put this together. Am I, do I think he's going to get there? No, that was a 17% overall swing strike rate in that start. Then it was 8%, 5%, 9.5% in the next three. That's not it. Uh, again, very young. Uh, he just turned 25 that the Royals could be relying on him next year as he figures things out. Fastball is just way too hittable at the moment. 356 here, uh, batting average allowed is just atrocious. And you just feel for the guy as he got bounced around uh, the entire season. But hopefully a co can put that together. That's why he's on the list now.
1: All right. Uh there's a, there is a guy, you know I mean of course there are plenty of guys who are some promise, but one of the ones that I wanted to talk about next is Domingo Herman, one of I think 5 players to have a pitch that he went to over 500 times and did not give up a home run. And that was his curveball, right? He threw over 500 curveballs. He threw about 536 and the pitch recorded a 205 woba. It is rare that you're going to see that from a guy uh, where that's his primary pitch. That was his primary pitch this year. He didn't throw more than any other pitch. Now that might have been because I think he did have a few relief appearances and maybe he was just focusing a little bit more on that curveball. But still, is there enough there from the fastball that he can take a step forward to be an above average pitcher?
2: Uh well, the problem with Herman is where is he, you know, is he going to pitch a lot next year? We don't know. Garrett Cole Jameson Tyone, uh Jordan Montgomery are the one, two, three next year. Corey Kluber is a free agent now. Um, it was just a one-year deal with the Yankees. Uh, but then there's also Nestor Cortez and Luis Heel as well fighting. He missed out the number two. So I messed out the number two, who is oh Severino, of course. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. Uh right. So there's a lot of competition here. Uh, and I don't think that Herman is going to force his way to That number five because again, I think the Yankees are going to likely get some free agent pitcher just to help out with that rotation, especially with how it was, I, I want to say, back and forth through the year uh, with a lot of questions. They don't want to put themselves in that position again. They'll probably consider Herman at some point, uh, because you know injuries always happen, but yeah, I wouldn't be drafting Herman for that reason. Now, do I think that Herman has legit potential? I certainly do. Uh, yeah, the curveball is a, is an excellent offering, 39% CSW. The changeup, 17% swing strike rate this year. We've seen that pitch go in and out a bit. If he gets more consistency with it, that's, those are two excellent secondaries. Yeah, it's just about is, is the fastball going to get crushed or not. But uh, I, I think that there is opportunity here for Herman um, back in 2018 when he covered for um, Severino. It was a 95-mile-per-hour heater. And even 2017, it was 965 So there certainly is potential there. Um, It's just about opportunity. I don't think he'll get it out of the gate. Is this the year? I can't even say it in earnest. Like uh, (laughs) Alex, let
1: let me rephrase it. No, is this the year we finally, or you finally, let
2: Andrew Heaney just float away into the ether? I mean, he's at 157 fast. He's a free agent. So I I imagine someone will pick him up and, and start him. I mean, I let him go off to the ether this year. I know I, it's just, you
1: know, yeah, you, you can do that with a bunch of people and say, Oh, he's probably going to turn around. It was a lost season, but not
2: for him. No, that was so many home runs, so many home runs. And it is so fascinating because a, a, not necessarily a likelihood, but a possibility is that he, signs with, I don't know the Rangers. And all of a sudden, you know, the, in the first couple of weeks, he has a combined 24 strikeouts in, in three starts with yeah. two-word runs allowed, Emma goes, oh, Andrew Heaney. Oh, man. He's back. Of course, then you get burned, you know. Yeah. Uh, just just don't – There's a, there's a feeling in fantasy baseball that if you aren't the one doing the thing, you're going to miss out and there's this FOMO and, oh, no, someone else did this and I didn't. You don't have to do that. You don't have to put yourself in the way of risk. Just because it's some someone else is benefiting from it doesn't mean you don't always. There's that feeling. It's okay. Just stay disciplined when those things happen. Just, all right, if someone wants to take that chance, go ahead. Let him. There are many other guys that you're going to be able to go for instead. And obviously, we hope he does
1: well. We only wish uh, uh, the best the most dope oh, for the absolutely. dopest of pitchers. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about Chad Cool. Um, Chad Cool is doing the thing that we all want pitchers to do right now, which is throw his best pitch the majority of the time, and he's doing that with his slider. Uh, it was the pitch that he went to most often, and it's a it's a pretty good pitch. Picked up a 16.7% swing strike rate this year. Um, the Wobo was fine at 322. and kind of about a league average pitch for him. So maybe if he takes a step forward with that fastball combination, you think Thinking there could be a little bit something there.
2: The problem with Cool is that his fastballs are so bad. I hmm. uh, it's not the ninety five to ninety six that it used to be back in two thousand seventeen and two thousand eighteen. This year he just got it over ninety four with a three twenty six batting average allowed. And Chad Cool, as much as you know, I do like your slider. You do need a better heater to make the slider even better. I fell down to an eighteen percent swing strike rate after being <sighs> twenty two swing strike rate pitch in the past it's not as elite as it used to be uh, for uh, for Chad Cool slider so without you know without that pitch being so overwhelmingly great then yeah you're going to get burned a lot with Chad cool uh from this tier who could theoretically be top 50 <laughs> Wait, I don't get top 60. You don't add 10? Uh, no, I think I
1: accidentally what was at 30 40 50
2: 60. All right, yeah, top 60. You're right. You're right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that extra Ooh. 10. Enjoy it. Oh, I'm so happy now. <laughs> um, okay. I'm I'm going through it really quickly in my head here. No, no, no. I uh, there's an inkling of Glenn Otto because of that Stop. really good horizontal slider, but no. Stop. Uh, Kyle Freeland, if that curveball is a real thing, but we can't really do that because, of course, um, I mean, yeah, Herman could be there if he does get the consistent playing time. Same with Zach Thompson, um, but I think that he's going to be uh, fifth. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be the fifth out of the gate. Then you have Edward Cabrera, and I think Zach Thompson is going to be more of the long relief guy instead. Uh, you have Alec Mills, absolutely not. I uh, maybe Luke Weaver who said that he's gonna go more fastball changeup and he's gonna axe trying to do a third pitch, but yeah, I it's cheating if that. you go eat all these names and say maybe, maybe, maybe I need one. You need one. All right. yeah, uh, yeah Domingo Herman, I think, is the best okay, That's bet what I thought you were on that. Tuki Toussaint is fun too. Um, but again, I mean, is he gonna get that fifth rotation spot for the for Atlanta? I think they'd probably get a free agent signing, but hey, it could be Kyle Muller instead of Tukey. Um, but otherwise, yeah, maybe Reaver San Martin. Yeah. No. I'll
1: go with Herman. Uh that leaves us then with the final tier. We're looking at what is this about seven names here? And the tier is he could be starting and be dope. Um, we're looking at Grayson <laughs> <laughs> looking at Grayson Rodriguez, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, uh, Cade Cavalli, Matthew Libertori, Roenzi Contreras, and Mackenzie Agor. Let's start. With the boy, the man, the guy who led all of the minor leagues in strikeout rate and swinging strike percentage in Grayson Rodriguez. If he is, I imagine he's here because we have no idea if he's going to pitch at all at a major league. No idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these
2: are prospect pitchers. I know nothing about them. I imagine that someone will be hyped up as possibly stealing a position or in a rotation in March because that's what yeah. happens every year. There's that guy that's oh no, he's he's getting the opportunities. Trevor Rogers is or uh or Logan Webb is or whoever. Uh it could be one of these guys. DL Hall could have been here too. I I don't know. He hasn't pitched out of he hasn't pitched in AAA yet, mm. DL Hall. So that's why he didn't do it. But um but yeah, Grayson Rodriguez. I mean, you know more about him than I do. So I hope it works out. I hope it works out too. I have watched,
1: I am not one of those Orioles fans, you know. There's a, there's always a fan of a team that goes in two directions, right? It's like I'm incredibly optimistic, incredibly pessimistic, and I always fall in the incredibly pessimistic camp, especially when it comes to pitchers. And I will say that in the appearance that I watched of him in the minor leagues this year, the amount of polish I saw across the arsenal was very impressive for a guy that young. Uh, like you there, sure there it wasn't
2: like- polish.
1: No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was not Polish. It was pure Polish. Yeah. Okay, pure Good. Pure that's, Nick that's, polish. A, that's a that's a
2: lot better. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a common mistake. Nick Polish <laughs> is your is your weird doppelganger. Nick oh polish. no. Uh, oh no. I but I don't think we're gonna get a lot of innings out of him next year. I just don't yeah. see the Orioles being ready to I, open their window until twenty twenty three. I mean, I
2: don't know. I mean, I will say what's really interesting about all these guys. Is we don't know what the CBA is going to be, mm-hmm. uh, we don't know how they're going to treat. Uh, you know we have like the the service time manipulation of two weeks or so in the season to get the extra year. Then there is the arbitration rule, and that could be completely thrown out by the time February March shows up, right? That could be a completely new rule set of, of how you know how service time is is done, which means that maybe the Orioles say oh. Well, yeah, he's better than anything we've got. So, yeah, just come on in. Right. Same goes for, say, Hunter Green with the Reds. Maybe Uh, I could be we could have Libertor going for the Cardinals. Right. Um, I think I got the teams right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pretty sure. Um, Same with Lodolo and and Kate Cavalli. So there's also Ranzi Contreras, who threw hard Mm -hmm. um, and has already made an appearance uh, uh, for the Pirates. Uh, So that was cool. And maybe Contreras is the most fancy relevant Pirates starting pitcher next year. Um, and lastly, there's Mackenzie Gore, uh, who still exists, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe that works out. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I wonder, too, you bring up a good
1: point that I kind of want to end on that I didn't even think about, and it makes me a little sad, uh, which <laughs> is... I wonder if our hot stove does not activate until there is
2: more clarity about what the CBA will be. No, no, without a doubt. um, It's going to be a freeze, essentially, on on free agencies, right? Uh, On free agent signings. It's just you might see a slew of it before December 1st, um, and then December 1st is when the expiration date is on the CBA. Mm. Uh, So if we don't reach it then, which I don't think we will, then we'll have about two months or so because uh, essentially once pitchers and catchers report, my theory is it won't it'll just be rumors of a lockout it'll be back and forth you're gonna make a decision because that's really when things have to start and if it's not you know if, if it's February 15th and there still isn't a decision that's when it gets okay then we got to figure this out. I don't expect any free agency signings though before there is a decision
1: yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um well let's end on a happy note, which is we love <laughs> pitching and there's another great playoff baseball game tonight. So
2: we hope you all go enjoy that and watch it. And the, the highest chance of being inside the top 75 here. Oh yeah. Grayson Grayson Rodriguez. I think I think the Orioles give him a chance, and then he has clear playing time because it's the Orioles. I hope so. If so, he could be a very good, very good man.
1: Um, Very good man. He could be a very good man. (laughs) Uh... The cadence moving forward also, by the way, for the podcast, it's we're not going to be doing another top 100 next week. Obviously, we've already broken down now all 175 pitchers of this fantastic list. But that doesn't mean we're going cold uh, while while the hot stove does. We're still going to be bringing you content every single week. They're going to be doing a lot of uh, mock draft results. Nick's going to be going through with each person talking about mock drafts. Nick and I have some fun podcast planned. We might be able to sprinkle in a
2: few talking pitchings here and there with some pitchers coming up. So we're not going cold. I've got two things here. One, I know what Grayson Rodriguez's nickname is. It's Sick Grayson. uh, And that is uh, a Batman and Robin reference. Uh, I believe Robin's name is Dick Grayson. uh, Uh, Well, one one of the Robins. One of the Robins. Wait, there's multiple Robins? There are many Robins. Well, okay, Sick Grayson is what I'm going with. Uh, The second thing is, yeah, we're supposed to do a Mario Kart stream one day. That's right. We'll figure that out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think next week we're going to do uh, my mock drafts. And then there is a review of the guys that weren't included in that. But then you'll see a lot more of me talking to other guys about that mock draft. We'll be doing those talking pitching. We're going to have a podcast every single day on the Pitchers podcast. And I work on those podcast feeds. So enjoy the content flow as we prepare for PL7 and what's in store there. I cannot wait to talk more about that oh my god um, and in the meantime yeah nick
1: will go learn about the five different robins that there have been Well, uh, does uh, nightwing their... count
2: yeah
1: 100 100 percent.
2: okay well i mean okay fair enough i'm just gonna animated series is like that's all that matters to me really there's yeah. a lot of good yeah dick, dick grayson was the was nightwing and then i think all right uh, there you go sick grayson
1: beautiful yeah okay great that's fine. I thought I thought we could call him like a putty because he's a gray son. You, know you want I mean? you
2: want a putty? You want to call him putty instead of, sick of gray <laughs> uh, All right, that's gonna
1: do it for episode number two eighty one of On the Court of the Official Pitcher podcast. I'm your host
2: Alex Fast, and I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.